0: I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. So Ephesians chapter two is what we're working on this week. I'm going to make it all the way through Ephesians chapter two. Say, wow, that's amazing, Grant. So here was what I want to say is that I'm going to preach Ephesians chapter two, and my sermon would be different than if Sarah did a sermon on Ephesians chapter two. She told me earlier. She was like, I can't wait. These are my favorite verses. I was like, I'm, I'm just not talking about those. <laughs> so this is not an exhaustive. Uh, Ephesians 2, but there's a theme that God wants to hit on today and I'm really excited to jump into it. So my encouragement, I've got the words on the screen, but I'm going to be using the Passion Translation as my uh, main chunk of scripture. So you can open up to your Bible app and you can look up the the Passion Translation. You can follow along with me. It's on there, yep. Absolutely. Okay, so Father, we just ask that you'd come and you would come and move. You would anoint my spirit, you would anoint my lips and my words to proclaim the word of God through Ephesians chapter 2. We thank you that you have a special theme on your heart today. God, I'm asking that it would change lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready? Okay. So Ephesians verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses dead. Say dead. In your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in religion, customs, and values of this world. Obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority. And works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated. Living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everybody else. Say rebellious. Children. Need spankings. You all were rebellious children subject to God's wrath. Okay? Who wants God's wrath? Not me. Not me. Nobody wants God's wrath. But we were all subject to God's wrath. Okay? So I need a volunteer. Maccoby, will you be my volunteer for a second? Great job, buddy. Maccoby's my man this morning. Um, you need to play dead. All right? Just be dead. Completely dead. No matter what I say, you're not going to wake up or be alive in any way. Completely dead. All right, so, um, oh, no, Makobi's died. <gasps> Makobi, quick, you need help. Send a text message. He's not doing it. Shoot. What else can you do? Makobi, quick, call for help. Oh, man, this dead guy is not obeying. Makobi, quick, uh, uh, say a prayer for God to come help you. We're right here to help. Is he doing anything? No, why not? Because he dead. This boy dead right here. Dead people can't do anything. Okay? Say it with me. Dead people can't do anything. Thank you very much. So if you can't do anything, you can't reach up and ask God to come help you. You can't reach up and and go do something to get yourself in heaven. You can't do anything. You are dead, and you deserve the wrath of God because of your sins. Okay? So that's what Ephesians is saying here in the beginning. Now verse 4. It says this, but God, say, but God God." still loved us, even though he was dead, even though he could do literally nothing. He couldn't say, I love you. He couldn't look at God and just like give a little grin. He couldn't let his heart pump towards God in any way. He was dead, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins. He united us into the very life of Christ, and he saved us by his wonderful grace. Say united. United. All right, so Rachel, she's been doing some awesome uh, illustrations and analogies, and I've not been. So all week she's been like, Grant, are you going to do an analogy? Are you going to do a little sermon illustration? Are you going to do a little thingy? And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then uh, last night I was working on it, and I was like, okay, fine. So today I am Mr. Analogy, all right? So, watch out! Okay, so I have a special little thing here I want to show you. Um, this right here, this is you, okay? Say, this is me. Little Pinkie Pie, this is me. This little Pinkie Pie, dead. Okay. Peekabye dead. Peekabye can't do anything to save themselves. But guess what? God loved you. He was rich in love, and he came, and he put you inside of Jesus Christ. Hello! <laughs> <Holla! laughs> this is your life right here. You are now inside of Jesus. Amen? Amen? So now if you want to go this way, guess who comes with you? Yes. Jesus. If Jesus wants to go this way, guess who's going this way? You are. OK, because you are together, you are united with Christ. This word united, I love it. When you begin to dig into the Greek, I'm not going to pretend to n- know Greek, but it's something like sphiz, poo poo poo, poo. <laughs> And so when you look into the meaning of it, what it means is that there were two dead things. OK, it's talking about he raised you up with Christ. What this is really saying is there were two dead things. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, you died on the cross. We'll talk about that in a second. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised you from the dead together, united a new being with him, both together at the same time. It reminds me of Siamese twins. We're going to put Pinkie Pie right here. It reminds me of Siamese twins. When a Siamese uh, twin happens, there's one egg and it splits open. There's something that goes wrong, but there's two lives that happen connected with one. They're united together together. And typically, this is a sad situation. But today, hallelujah, it's a good situation. So, you have been united with Christ. You are co-joined with Christ. You are stuck together with Christ. Amen? So, I don't know who Jesus is and who you are. You can pick. But um, (laughs) these guys have been united together. The, The stuff that is inside of this one flows into this one. The blood, the life, the heart pumping. Sometimes with a Siamese twin, they, they have shared organs and they're working together. So the blood is flowing. The organs are working together. They can't go anywhere apart from each other. Two separate people completely, but they are stuck together. This is your life in Christ. Rachel showed it last week that you were like inside this big box of water. And you were um, Hercules or somebody And you're inside the water, right? You're in Jesus. And now I'm telling you, you are inside Jesus. And now I'm telling you, you are united, unified with Christ. Amen? That's what it says. Both together, you have a new life together in Jesus. We're going to continue to point those out as we go. But I love the meaning there. So Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah. And no longer lives, for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. Okay? So you died on the cross with Jesus, according to the word of God. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. And we live in union together. My life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and he dispenses his life into mine. Isn't that so good? Say, Jesus dispenses his life into mine. You guys are buddies. You can never get away from him. And guess what? If you try to get away from him, you are dead as a doornail. There is no life for you apart from Christ. Your life blood comes from Christ because you are united with him. Verse 6, he raised us up with Christ the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Say hallelujah. All right, you are co-seated with Christ. You are currently in heaven with Christ. So he plucked you up, he took you out, he puts you into a higher place, and you are in your body, you're in your spirit here on the earth, and at the same time, simultaneously, you are in the heavenlies. I need four volunteers to come on stage, please. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. One more. Thank you, Rachel. Come on up front. Uh, (laughs) Rachel does not want to. Please go go have yourself a seat up there. Let's take this one up here for you. All right, y'all just sit around the table for a minute. Enjoy yourself. I don't have any snacks. Pretend I do. So here's my question. They have just been elevated to a new place. Am I right? They are now two feet higher than they were a moment ago. Is that true? All right. Are they still in the room with you? Are they at an elevated higher place? Okay. Now we're going to talk about the table. So this is like you. You have been plucked up. You have been taken out of your place into a higher place, and you're still in the earth. You're still in your thing. You're in Jesus, and Jesus is around the table, and you are united with him currently, right now. These guys, if they got to sit every single night with some of the most brilliant minds in the world, do you think their lives would begin to change? Why? Because the brilliant minds give them things? Not necessarily. So, um, let's think of it this way. If Tim Cook or Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or whoever, they come here, their lives are not going to change because they're given those things from these people. They're not going to have pity on these people just because they're at the table with them. But what's going to happen is their thinking is going to begin to change because the power of thought is tremendous. The power of thought can change lives in a moment. Okay. So what's going to happen is they're going to absorb through the power of thought the way that these other people begin to think. And as they hear stories of these other people, these brilliant minds changing the world in every place that they look, they are going to begin to adopt the same thought and then they're going to begin to find ways to implement that new way of thinking so that their lives look different. Am I right? So they, there's this saying that you are, the, um, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Okay, And I'm, I wholeheartedly believe this. I think it's a great way of thinking. So if you are the smartest person in your little group, Uh, you're going to become dumber, no questions asked. (laughs) If you are the dumbest person in your group, you will become smarter, no questions asked, because that's how it works, okay? Um, If you want to be rich, what should you do? You should go spend more time with rich people. Why? Because the rich people are going to give you their money? No. (laughs) No, they're not going to give you their money. No way but you're gonna hear how they got their own money and you're gonna absorb that thought and it's gonna change the way that you think about life and business and money and you will begin to find ways to implement the things that you're learning from them. Randy, on Friday night, he was talking about repentance and I thought the way he described it was so great. He said, repentance, usually we think You're going the wrong way and then you turn around. You you have a new thought. So you're going the wrong way. You repent. I'm going the wrong way. You repent and your repentance is the turning around and moving this way. But he says that is not repentance. Repentance is this. You're going the wrong way and you have a new thought. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. That is repentance in that one moment. That was the repentance. And then the fruit of the repentance is you turning around and beginning to move somewhere else. Okay? Okay. So the fruit of the repentance is what's going to take you somewhere, but the actual repentance is simply a new thought because thought is tremendously powerful. Now, you are united with Christ. His lifeblood flows in you. You have been taken from where you are and placed at the table. You spend your days and nights at the table with Jesus himself. Do you think your thoughts should be different? Okay? Absolutely. Strong's Concordance. It talks about this word for existing in heaven. It's epouraneus. It's the word for heaven. It literally means existing in heaven or things that take place in heaven. The word for seated is sycathizo. And it means to give or to take a seat in company with or to make someone sit down. So Jesus has taken you literally physically into a new place, into the place where heaven is. And he forces you to sit down in his company with him. Isn't that good? <clears throat> John 15:5 it says I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him brings forth much fruit. But without me you can do nothing. So your life again without Christ is dead has nothing. There's no fruit of any kind with it. So these guys are sitting here. They're sitting with the most brilliant minds. They're enjoying life. Their lives are changing. But just because they're at the table, does that mean that they're automatically going to have a different life? No? But they're here. They're they're right here with the most brilliant minds in the whole world. Surely that matters, right? No, because these three can be fully engaged with God. I'll go backwards. All my practice, it was on that side. But he is fully engaging with God. But this guy right here, he chooses not to. So he turns his chair and he faces out this way Mm -hmm. and he's texting on his cell phone and he's playing uh, Emoji Blitz or something (laughs) on his cell phone and they're learning the most amazing things in the whole wide world. Their thoughts are being changed. They're having thoughts happen constantly. But this guy, is his life being changed? No. Why? (laughs) Because of his choice to be or not to be intentional with the people that he's around. Okay? So you can be in the heavenlies with Jesus seated there right now in the place where all of heaven is happening and you can have your life changed zilch because you choose not to be intentional with where the place that you've been put. Amen? Thanks. You can go sit down. Oh, you guys sit down. Thank you. Y'all give a little round of applause. I love the power of thought, and I love the way that it works. This last week, um, I've, I'm taking home that you are the average of the five people, right? And so I want to be a business, a better business leader. I pay for coaching for real estate stuff, and I learned tremendous things through that. And this last week, I was like, man, I really want to find some more people that I can learn from. And it dawned on me, I'm friends with a guy that I've been friends with for almost a decade now and I have a place at his table. He's a brilliant local businessman who employs over 120 people in his company. He's a tax law guy. He fights the IRS all the time. He's amazing. He's making and giving away unbelievable amounts of money for the kingdom. Like he is, he is my kind of guy. I have a place at his table for 10 years almost. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, you idiot. (laughs) You have been given a place at his table and you're not being intentional with it and therefore your life is not changing based on his experiences because you're not choosing to go and receive from him. So this last week we sat down and I just asked him, please will you teach me? Just mentor me, tell me your stories. We spent 45 minutes together. He told me three stories that I really believe at least one of them is gonna change the course of my business forever. It was a five-second story. He goes, oh, um, you know, let me tell you the story about this little teddy bear. One time we went to New York, and he said, we, my, I have lots of credit card points from the business. We run everything through the credit card, so it's, everything's free, <laughs> basically. We get to New York. We stay in a really nice place. costs like $1,000 a night, but it's all free because it's credit card points. We get there. We show up early. or four hours early. Our room's not ready. We didn't expect it to be ready. We show up. We drop off our bags, and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. It's not ready yet, blah, 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 blah. Hey, by the way, here's a little gift, and they pull out a cute little teddy bear with the." hotel's monogram on the teddy bear and they give it to his daughter who's about Callie's age is that right she's a little girl they give it to her and their hearts melt they're like oh and Brooklyn she just thinks like oh my gosh this is the best thing ever so they're like hey we're gonna go eat we're gonna shop we'll be back later 45 minutes later they get a text message hey your room's ready come on back so they come back open up the door and they're on the bed milk and cookies with a handwritten note to the daughter not mom and dad he says, Grant, my daughter felt so special in that trip. I don't care if I get free points or not. I will always, every single time I'm in New York City, I will be at that hotel because they do it right and they took care of my daughter. And as soon as I left the meeting, I was like, Rachel, find some teddy bears quick for Chamberlain. <laughs> she found some lions because our logo is a lion. I was like, yes, that's awesome. So we're going to start taking care of those little kiddos with lions, all right? Um, He told me another story. He said, you know, one time I went to this little meeting with a group of guys, and I spent about five minutes based on what they told me, and I increased my profits 33% for the next two years. In five minutes of time I was like stop everything what are you kidding me he's like look people will pay on average 25% more for the best service possible so what he was doing is he said I already offered the best service possible in the whole area and what I did is I just changed the way I communicated what was being offered so let's say that he offered the best and he would tell people this is everything I do and here's the cost and they would say okay sounds good let's say it was 100 bucks. Well, now because of what he learns, he goes home, he spends 5 minutes to write up a little sheet of paper. Sheet of paper says services offered platinum $1000, gold $200, silver so-so service $100, and then bronze 50 bucks. He says, "Grant, it was fascinating. The service that I've been offering for years, I moved from the price of silver into the gold category." and I, you know, increased the price tremendously, 85% of people were very happy to pay the gold price. I literally didn't change anything about my business, and bam, like that, 33% increase, just like that. It's amazing. The power of thought is phenomenal. And just think about it. You are like one of these people stuck together with Christ in all of his thoughts and you have the ability to have his thoughts constantly running through your body, through your mind if you are intentional to take a moment and listen. Right? I think it's incredible. So it's not going to affect you if you're not going to be intentional about sitting at the table with Christ. Verse 7. It says this, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display Of the infinite, limitless riches of His grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it was only through His wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. So we were dead. Completely dead. And there was nothing we could do to be raised up in Christ. But God went out of His way in His love, and He raised us up together with Christ, both unified fully. Nothing you did. And what comes to mind is what we learned a couple years ago from Joseph Prince's teachings about grace. There's literally nothing you can do to earn more of God's love, it's just been lavished upon you. And He teaches about the Ark of the Covenant. And so this now is the Ark of the Covenant. Are you with me? Say yes. This is the Ark of the Covenant. So in the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, they carried this big old gold box around. It was much larger than this, and it was solid gold. And it was this big old box. There were two poles that went out this way. There was a big lid on top. There were two angels, and God would come in between and speak from it in the midst of the angels, okay? They weren't allowed to touch it. They weren't allowed to open the lid or or anything like that. But there's three things inside of the box, Okay, the three things that were inside the box were manna from heaven, so it was a little sweet, it tasted good, Um, but it really wasn't that great, which is why this one's been on our counter for like a a year. Um, So we had manna from heaven, and then inside was also the Ten Commandments, so God for beginners, basically. The Ten Commandments were inside, and then the last thing that was inside was the staff of Aaron. And it had bud, it had bloomed with almond blossoms on top. So these things were inside and you're like, wow, those things sound really cool. Um, It doesn't fit, sorry. Um, These things are really cool. Ugh. come off. Okay, there we go. We've got to make it fit. Okay, so, wow, these are great. Why would they be inside? Why couldn't we open up and remember, like, wow, remember when God fed you from the rain? Last night I was reading uh, to Jack, and I was reading, it happened to be about manna from heaven, and so I'm reading, and it says, and God showered bread from heaven, and Jack goes, whoa, hold on, wait, what? I'm sorry, like, like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, like food raining from heaven? I was like, yes, that's what the Bible says. Like, whoa, that's amazing, right? These are great memories, but these are terrible memories in God's mind. Why? Because these speak to the rebellion of man's heart, the sin, the wickedness in our hearts, the way that they grumbled and complained they would not trust God to take care of them. There ended up being thousands of people dying because of their hearts towards the provision from heaven. then the the Ten Commandments nobody could ever uphold. And even while they're being given to them, they're worshiping another god. This is a terrible memory. And then whenever you talk about the the staff, and we remember Korah and how they rose up against the authority against God, and they were like, no, we don't want to be led by him. We want to be led by him. And the earth opens to eat the rebellion, Right? These are bad things. We don't re- want to remember these things. So God creates the Ark of the Covenant, and he has this box. Inside the box, he puts those things so that nobody can ever see it. And then what's he do? He puts a lid on top of it, solid gold, pure gold. It's perfect in every single way. He says, don't you ever open that again. And that lid was Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. God takes Jesus, and he puts the lid on top of the box. So now when God looks down at you in all of your sin, and all of your rebellion, what does he see? All he sees is Jesus and the pure sacrifice and the blood of Jesus coming down. And there is no more condemnation. There is no more judgment. The mercy seat of Christ is what goes on top of your sin, covers over your sin. This word, when they would come and, and throw blood, the blood sacrifice on top of the mercy seat, it was called propitiation. I can't say it. But in the Greek, that word is the same word for Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was the one, okay? He covers over all of your sin. And there's nothing you can ever do to earn or to receive more of his love or anything. It's purely because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's move on. The Message Bible in verse 7, it says this, Now... God has us where he wants us, which I love that because he's put us in the chair with Jesus. He's placed us right here. And so for all of eternity, now he gets to shower his love and his goodness and his blessings right on top of us. Isn't that so good? Verse 10. It says we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So get that. Before you were born, God created your destiny and the good works that he has for you to fulfill. Amen? So you say, wow, Grant, that's amazing. I love that. Heck yeah, I'm all about destiny for God, but how do I find out what my destiny is in Christ? Well, that's a really, really great question. Thank you for asking. I have a suggestion. You find your destiny when you learn that you're inside of Jesus and that you're united with him, co-heirs with Christ, and you come and you intentionally spend time at the table with him, and you ask him, hey, I know that you created me for a specific destiny and purpose and you have specific good works for me to do. What are they? And then you hang out and you listen and then other people come and they talk and they share about what they've been doing and you're like, hey, that's a great idea. God, is that part of it? And you speak to God and Jesus and that's how you find your destiny. Too many people are wandering around the world not having a clue what their destiny is. What's my purpose? Why am I on the earth? Because we're not being intentional with the one who has all the answers. He made a destiny for every single person, but we have to be intentional if we're going to find what that destiny is. Verse 11. I'm going to crunch all this together. This was some of Sarah's favorites, so I'm sorry. Verse 11 through 17. It says, So don't forget that you were not born as Jews, and you were uncircumcised. Circumcision itself is just a work of man's hands. You had none of the Jewish covenants and laws, You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah, the promised hope, and without God. Verse 13. Yet look at you now, everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have been plucked up by God and brought delightfully close to him. Jesus wears deodorant. He doesn't stink. He is fun to be near. Okay? You have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united with Christ. Verse 14, our reconciliation, peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he's broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious blood on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non Jews fused together. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach the sweet message of peace to you, the ones who are distant and to those who are near. Verse 18, and now. Say and now. Drum roll, please. This is what it's all been leading up to, folks. The moment of the morning. Here we go. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access to the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Amen? I'm going to read it again. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access. Say equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Say, I have equal access to the Father. This is huge. Oh, my goodness. This is so huge. So think of your spiritual hero. Who's your f- spiritual hero? Randy Clark, John Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, Reinhard Bonnke. Okay, wow, some amazing shoes to fill. Guess what? Who, who loved Randy Clark on Friday night? Wow. If I could see an eyeball grow before my hands, I win. <laughs> like I'm the mega Christian, right? Holy smokes. The miracles that guy sees everywhere he goes is mind blowing. You know how he does it? He does it because of his access to the Father and his intentionality to directly access the Father's heart. Guess what? I have the same access to the Father as Randy Clark. Heidi Baker, she's planted 15,000 churches in Mozambique. Millions of people are coming to Christ because of what she does, only because of the access that she has to the Father. And guess what? You have the same access to the Father. Reinhard Bonnke's seen almost 80 million people come to Christ because of his access to the Father and what he does intentionally with it. You have the same access to the Father. Smith Wigglesworth, you have the same access. Any of your heroes, you have the same access to the Father right now through Jesus because you are united with Christ. What is the difference? The only difference is the one who chooses to be intentional And the one who chooses to not be intentional. So that's the question of the morning is what are you doing with your direct access to the Father? Your whole life, what happens in eternity, what is written about you in history books or not written about you will all come down to this one question of what are you doing with your direct access to the Father or not? Okay, so I want to drive it home one more time. This is, uh, we have a bowl here with some, some chips, the cheap chips, okay. So this guy right here, let's say this guy, he has direct access to the father, same as this guy right here. The father's right here in the middle. He says, guys, I'm so glad you're here at my table. Welcome, anything you want. Let's, let's enjoy life. You are my sons. You are in my house. You are fully welcomed here. You are always allowed at this place. Anything you want. You have direct access to me. And so this guy, his whole life, he chooses to never utilize the direct access to the Father. So he begins to check out. He's like, man, life's hard. I'm a little tired. I don't have time to, to spend in in that access with the Father. Man, my bills are due. I don't really have time right now. Man, my friends, the game's on. I don't really have time right now. Oh, look at this, I got this cool new app on my phone. I don't have time right now. Man, uh, my car broke down. God, that must be your fault. I don't have time right now. And before you know it, this guy's over here. What does he do with his direct access? He does nothing. But this guy, he's like, hey, cool. So um, what do you think about this? And God's like, here's the answer. He gives him a little something. He keeps asking for more. Here's a little something. God loves to shower his blessings upon his people because God picked him up. He put them there right where he wanted him to be. And so the guide learns a little bit here and there of how to access the blessings of the heavenly realm. And he's in the world, but he's also here with Christ and he's learning how to access. And before you know it, he's accessed all that there is. And this guy has nothing, but God just keeps showering his goodness all over this guy. And you're like, oh, man, I guess we're all out because he used all the access he has. But no, they, when he learns to do a little bit of the good, then we get past the little things. And now you start to get to the good blessings. God trusts this guy. God begins to love this guy in his understanding of his heart. And so now he's just showering his goodness upon him. And you're like, oh, no, it's empty. God's blessings are over. And God's like, hey, buddy, you want to come back? You want some of this good stuff? And he does not use his direct access to the Father. But what happens, this guy over here, now it starts getting really, really, really good. And now we're talking mega blessings, mega shower in the kingdom of God for eternity. And when we get to the end of their lives, the rewards in heaven are going to be this. And they're going to be this. And the Lord, he's so proud of this guy over here. Is it because this guy created this blessing? No. This guy did nothing. All he did was choose to be intentional with his direct access to the Father and ask questions and want to know more and want to understand the Father's heart. The history books on that guy are going to be like Randy Clark and Heidi Baker and Reinhard Bonnke and all these guys. History books on most believers in the world are going to be empty. But why? Literally the only difference is what do we choose to do with our direct access to the Father. So my daughter, you know, my kids, they have direct access to me. And every single night we spend time putting them to bed. And I spend a lot of time putting them to bed. Trust me. (laughs) Rachel really thinks so. She's like, for crying out loud, get down here. So they all three, Grace, she has access, but she doesn't communicate very well. So all three of them have direct access to me. I go upstairs and I begin to put them to bed. But you know, one of my kids has much more of my heart than the other two. Okay. I go put Jack to bed. As much as I love him like crazy, he's usually pretty focused on a toy or playing some game or showing me something about a car, and it's just kind of like, dude, uh, uh, blankets. <laughs> Read a Bible. Stay right there. Jack. Jack. <laughs> raining from heaven. <laughs> yes, okay, good night. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> that's about how it goes. And I go sp- sp- put Eli to bed, and I cuddle up with him, and he wants me to tickle him for like 50 hours. <laughs> so I do that, but he tells me like the most amazing history from the world that you could have ever known. And I'm like, how do you know these things? But he's constantly, com- he just reads like crazy. So he's like, Dad, did you know that in 19, blah, 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 And he tells me this crazy story. But that's our bedtime. He just divulges amazing amounts of history to me. And I'm like, great hey, how was your day? Oh, it was fine, but I read this book. (laughs) I'm like, oh, cool. Let me tell you about my day. He's like, oh, that's cool. But did you know? (laughs) So I do my best. You know, I love him like crazy, and he has a big chunk of my heart. But when I put Callie Lake to bed, I go lay down on her bed, and I get her cuddled up, and we snuggle for a little bit, and she has most of my heart because she, she says, Dad, how was your day? Every night. And I'm like, oh, it's good. And she's like, well, tell me. What'd you learn? What'd you watch? What'd you hear? What'd you do? What happened today? Did you have any funny stories? Do you have any sad stories? Teach me something. And she just continues to ask and ask and ask. And then when we when she's satisfied with my answers, she, she goes, and I'm like, Kelly, how was your day? She's like, it was so good. And she begins to tell me these things. And she tells me about her friends. And she tells me about the things she learned. And she tells me all these things. And I'm like, all right, well, it's time to go put the to away. She's like, no, you can't go. you got to stay here. And then she starts to tell me more. And she asks me more questions. And we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, back and, forth, and it just never, never ends. Never, ever ends. <laughs> but she has more of my heart Even though they all have equal access to their father, she has more of my heart because she's more intentional to have my heart. Isn't that right? So Hebrews 4.16, this should be our response to what we hear in Ephesians 2. 4.16 says, so now we come freely and boldly to to where love is enthroned. And that's so good. I love the way it says it in the Passion Translation. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and to discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. You are in Christ. You are united with him. You can't go anywhere without him. You are dead without him. Your life is Jesus' life together, plain and simple. God has a destiny for you. He has specific things that he wants to do with you in partnership with you, in sonship or or being a daughter with him in the kingdom realm. He wants to do things with you. Those things are found by spending time at the table with him being intentional. You have equal access to the Father, and He wants to shower you forever with His blessing upon blessing upon blessing because that's exactly where He wanted you to be. So the question of the morning is how intentional will you be? How intentional will you be with the access that the Father has given to you? Because that's what it all comes down to. So we're going to bring the lights down. I'm going to turn up some music. And this morning, we're going to spend some time just connecting with the Lord. And that is your only question. How intentional are you going to be? Connect with God. Listen to His heart. Ask Him questions. Ask Him what is on His heart. Ask Him about destiny. Ask Him whatever you want to ask Him about. But let your heart be connected with Him. Turn your chair around. If you've been over here for crying out loud, come on close by. Turn your chair around and be close to Him. You guys can come up here if you want to lay down in the front, just cry your eyeballs out, come lay down. If you want to go in the back, do that in the back. If you want to be on the sides, do whatever you have to do to get away from the people around you and really connect with the Lord. So Father, we just say that we really, really, really love you and we want to be extremely intentional with you and with the access that you've given us straight into your heart. Help us, God. Let our lives be marked with what we do with the access that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come and minister. Come and touch hearts. Come and speak. Come, Holy Spirit, and do something mighty this morning that changes the course of history.